Amen. You can all be seated. Well, good morning again. Uh, It's good to be with you all. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, we'll be continuing our study this morning of Romans chapter 8. And hopefully it's been beneficial to you all. I know it's been a joy for me as we've gone through and we've seen this great work of the Spirit. We kind of called this chapter asking this question, what does life in the Spirit look like? That over 20 times in this chapter, the word Spirit is talked about. So if you want to go somewhere to see what is the work of the Spirit, this is a great place to look. And we've seen that throughout the chapter, right? We've seen that for those that are in Christ, there's therefore now no condemnation. That God has done what the law could not. That he's removed condemnation from us, not by what we've done, but by what Christ has done. And we've seen this great work of the Spirit, that he's adopted us into his family, that he's justified us before God, that we've now been sanctified by the Spirit, that we are new creations in Christ. And that last week we looked specifically at this idea that even though we face suffering in this life, we have a great hope that is outside of this world, that is a renovated new creation, a new heavens and a new earth. And so Paul last week looked forward to this new hope, this hope that's outside of our sufferings and gives us hope for the future. And this week we're going to see that we don't just have a hope for the future, but we have a hope even now, even in our weakness and in our suffering because of the work of the Spirit in our lives. And that that hope is a present hope. And so we'll see that's the work of the Spirit ultimately. What did Christ say the night before he was betrayed? He said, I'm going to send a helper, the Spirit, to help us, the great advocate. And so we're going to see this morning that the Spirit helps us not, in all, in, not only in all these other ways in terms of regenerating us, giving us new hearts, but even something as intimate and personal as in our prayers. So if you want to look with me, we'll be looking at verses... 26 and 27 this morning. So I'll read the passage, I'll pray for us, and then we'll look at the text. This is the word of the Lord. The Apostle Paul says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, that you've given it to us, that it's infallible, inerrant, And that it's able to be understood. And that even though some passages are harder than others, that you've given us your spirit to illuminate the word to us. That we might see Christ in the scriptures and be saved. And so we pray this morning that by the power of your spirit alone, that you would open the eyes of our hearts. That you would illuminate your word. That we might see with the eyes of faith. And know that 
we've not been left to our own devices, but you've given us your spirit. And because of the work of Christ, we can have hope now, even in our weakness. So be with us this morning. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So as we've gone through Romans chapter 8, we've seen all these great things, right? We've seen the indwelling work of the Spirit. We've seen all the things I just mentioned. I won't rehash it every week. But hopefully it's getting ingrained a little bit, right? What Romans chapter 8 is all about. And this morning, as I said, we're going to be talking about prayer. And so we've seen this great work of the Spirit. We've seen that we've been adopted into God's family, that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. And so we're going to talk about prayer this morning. So we have to ask this question first off. What is prayer? What is prayer? That's probably not something we think about a lot, right? A lot of us have grown up in church maybe, or maybe we haven't, but we heard Christians say, hey, I'm praying for you, or I'm going to pray for you. Or we, we, think, we talk about prayer a lot, but what is prayer? What is it? And we can say this first and foremost, that it's a means of grace. It's a means of grace. Some of you might hear me talk about this language when we do the Lord's Supper, that it's a means of grace, that when we eat the bread and drink the cup, that it's a means of grace. And so it might be weird to hear me talk about this in terms of prayer, but our confession makes this clear, that the grace of faith, whereby God's people are grown in their faith, are these means of grace. And the first and the most prominent is the word, right? Many of us are familiar with this, that when we hear the word by faith, that grace comes to us from Christ. And we also know about the Lord's Supper and baptism, but even prayer is what we can call a means of grace. And this language might be foreign to some of us, so don't be weirded out. But what, what, is, what do I mean when I say that? What is a means of grace? It's a delivery system. It's a way that God gives us grace. It's not a way that we take grace from God or sort of manipulate God. It's a way that God has set up for us to receive grace. And if we think about how we interact with the word, that it's a very similar thing, right? When we read God's word, when we take the Lord's Supper, when we remember our baptism, all these things remind us of Christ's sacrifice on the cross and grace comes to us and our faith is increased and strengthened. And so we can say that it's the same thing with prayer. And so I could say much more about that, but we won't do that this morning. So prayer is a means of grace. It's a chief part of our thankfulness to God. But what is it? Kendall, you're not describing what it is. (laughs) Luckily, we have this catechism question that we read this morning. So if you want to look there with me, we see this outlined a little bit more. What is prayer? If you've never thought about that, it's good to have things like this, these older catechisms that tell us. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. It tells us what prayer is, and it says that it's an offering up of our desires to God. It's an offering up of our desires to God in accordance to his will, right? It's in accordance to his will, and it's in the name of Christ. It's through the work of Christ alone. It's in his name that we pray. We don't pray in any other name. And it's not only with confession, but also in thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. And this is also to be done with reverence. And so we can see that prayer is an important thing, and it's why it's a part of the liturgy, right? We pray. We have a corporate prayer of confession. We have a pastoral prayer every week that we pray together. And I pray before we give the sermon and all these things. So prayer is an important part of the Christian life, and many of us know this, but 
if we know ourselves intimately and we actually think critically, we know that we often fail to pray. That we often fail in many ways to pray. And so, as we've said about the book of, specifically Romans chapter 8, what's the point of the whole chapter? What's the point of the whole chapter of Romans 8? It's to say that for those that believe that salvation is sure and full and that it's a work of God. And so, we'll see that even something as intimate as prayer, God helps us in our weakness. So even though we fail, God helps us in our weakness. And many of us know sort of a lot of the ways that people misuse prayer. Some of you might be familiar with this. They're alluded to it a little bit, right? Some people treat prayer as sort of God is a cosmic genie. And we use prayer to sort of ask for the things that we want, like a vending machine or something. Some people treat prayer as a way to bend God's arm. That if I say the right thing, if I say it in this right order, that God has to give me this thing or whatever I want. And so many of us are familiar with that and know the abuses of prayer. But how often do we fail, right? This is true of myself. Sometimes uh, we just are lazy. Sometimes, you know, I know for us when we put our kids down every night, I'm wiped out. (laughs) They're freaking out. (laughs) And I just, we were trying to say a prayer before we go to sleep, and it's half-hearted, and it's just like, go to sleep, <laughs> Lord help you to sleep, and don't get up in the night, or whatever it is, right? So sometimes our prayer is uh, very erratic, and, and sometimes lazy. Sometimes it's even irreverent, you know? Um, maybe before meals, we just kind of say this routine thing, good bread, good meat, good God, let's eat, you know? That's slightly irreverent. It's not really thanking God for all that we've done. And so prayer is important, but if we're honest with ourselves, we often fail. And not only do we fail to do it sometimes, but even when we want to do it, our weakness is that we don't know what to pray. And maybe some of you have been in that place in your life where you know prayer is important, you know it's something you should be doing, but you don't even know what to pray. And so the Apostle Paul's words this morning are to that end. And so we've seen, we've defined what prayer is, and so now we're going to see the Spirit's help in our prayer and in our weakness. And so we'll first look at our weakness this morning in prayer, and then we'll see the Spirit's help interceding for us before God. So if you want to look with me at verse 26, we see the Spirit's help. We see the Spirit's help. And pretty straightforward, it says, likewise, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. And so it says that word likewise there. And so there's some debate as to what this is referencing back to. Likewise meaning similarly. What is this reference back to? Is it a continuation of what we saw last week in verses 18 through 25? I think it makes more sense to go all the way back up to verse 16. To verse 16 where we heard Paul say this. That the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are children of God. And then he kind of goes on this excursus about sufferings and the future glory. But then he says this, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. So not only do we have the spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, but likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. The spirit helps us in our weakness. So what is our weakness? (laughs) What is our weakness? And um, the theologian John Gill was helpful when he was looking at this passage. He said, it's not, our weakness is not that we don't know who to pray to. 
hopefully we're all praying to God, <laughs> not to the saints, not to Allah or Buddha. We're praying to the triune God. Our problem is that we don't know the matter in, or the manner in which we should pray. Our prayer should be reverent. We shouldn't be irreverent in our prayer. And we all know who our prayer is through. It's through the person of Christ. Why we pray in the name of Christ. So those aren't the issue. What Paul is getting at is that the matter of our prayer is what we don't know. We don't know what to pray. <laughs> we know who to pray to. We know how to pray. We know who our prayer is heard by. But we don't know what to pray. And so we see this morning that the, pray, that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Helps us in our weakness. And so even though we have all the scriptures, there's many prayers recorded in scripture. And so we have those as helps. Even in the Gospels, we see Christ give us an example of how to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Right? Our Father who art in heaven. So we have these great examples of what to pray. But sometimes in our weakness, we don't know what to pray. And so we are very weak. And to put a little bit of a finer point on that, I was thinking about it. If we had a transcript of our prayers from the last week, which is a scary thing to think about, <laughs> you know, what, was, what, what did we pray? What did it look like? What did we say or what did we think? I think if we were to look at that, too often than not, our prayers would be focused on ourselves, right? What can I get? What can I receive? How can my life be better? And too less, or however you say that, <laughs> too infrequently our prayers are not about God receiving glory and His kingdom and His righteousness. And so this is our weakness. We don't know what to pray. Or when we do pray, it's not about the important things. It's about things that aren't as important. And so this morning we see not only our weakness, but we see the Spirit's help in our weakness. And Paul basically goes on to say, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So we see that the Spirit himself intercedes for us. That the Spirit is not a force. This isn't Star Wars, right? The Spirit is not a force that God uses to manipulate reality. The Spirit is a person. The triune God is made up of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. And so we see that the Spirit helps us by Himself interceding for us. So what is this work of intercession? In the Old Testament, we see Moses. We see a prime example of what intercession is, is in Moses, right? He goes up on the mountain, he receives the law. God has just saved his people from Israel. He's given them this great law, and Moses comes down from the mountain, and they've made a giant calf of gold, and they're worshiping it. And they're saying, thank you, calf, for taking us out of Egypt. They've already betrayed the covenant. They've already broken it. They're already messed up. And Moses intercedes for them. He goes before God. He mediates. We can think of it almost in a legal sense that the Spirit likewise intercedes for us. That in the Old Testament there was prophets that prayed for God's people. There were priests that went to the temple on behalf of the people. And so this kind of gives us a picture of what intercession looks like. And so we can see this morning that the Spirit intercedes for us. That He goes before us. That He mediates on our behalf. And 
this is where it gets sort of interesting because it says he intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. With groanings too deep for words. And many of you might be familiar with this passage. There's much debate about this passage. What are these groanings? Who is groaning? Is it the Spirit? Is it us? There's lots of debate. There's even further debate about, you know, what are the nature of these groanings? Is this a heavenly prayer language? Is this Paul talking about the gift of tongues? This sort of spiritual gift where believers are enabled to groan in these unutterable languages. So there's much debate about this passage. What does Paul mean when he says that the Spirit intercedes with us with groanings that are too deep for words? And like Daryl said this morning, context is important. And if you remember last week, we see, if you want to look there with me, in verses 22 and 23 of Romans 8, it says this. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. What does it say there? That creation itself is groaning. Does creation have vocal cords? <laughs> is creation able to make sounds? No. But creation is groaning. And Paul says, likewise, we are groaning. And that the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings. That the Spirit produces these groanings in us. What are the nature of these groanings? And I think it's best to, based on the context and based on what Paul is saying, that these groanings are not a heavenly prayer language, but they're rather these inexpressible longings of the believer for God's will and God's way to be done. And that the Spirit produces these in us. And they're too deep for words. They're inexpressible, just like creation groans, we ourselves groan. And the Spirit produces these groanings. And another problem with that other interpretation is that it makes it about only these believers that have this heavenly prayer language. And it doesn't make it a promise for every believer. And I think that as we look at the context and as we see what Paul is saying, that as we've seen in the book of Romans, that every believer has the Spirit. It's not just for those that are very spiritual or who have had great spiritual experiences. It's for every believer. Every believer has the Spirit. And every believer has the Spirit interceding for them with these groanings that are too deep for words. And so I think this makes just more sense of the, of the context because how often do we ask ourselves, are my prayers efficient? Or does God hear my prayer, right? How often have we thought that? We're called, as we saw in our confession of faith, we're called to pray to things agreeable to God's will. How often do we not pray according to God's will? And so we can doubt ourselves and think, does God really hear Maybe I messed up. Maybe I didn't pray exactly according to his will. Will he still hear me? And so we see assurance here that there's hope. That even in our weakness, even when we don't know what to pray or we pray the wrong thing, that the Spirit intercedes for us. And we see further the nature of that intercession. And we see in verse 27, this is amazing. It says, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints... What's it say? 
according to the will of God. According to the will of God. Even when we don't pray as we ought. We don't know God's secret will. We don't know what the future holds. We know his revealed will in his law. He said, love God and love your neighbor. And so we shouldn't pray things that are contradictory to those, right? We shouldn't pray for harm for our neighbor. Or we shouldn't pray for any of those things. We should pray according to God's revealed will. But even when we don't pray rightly, the Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. And this is good news. And this gives us great hope and assurance that even in our weakness, even when we don't know what to pray or we don't pray the right thing, believers have assurance that the Spirit intercedes for them according to God's word. So a couple things as we kind of close this morning. This is good news for weak Christians. This is good news for weak Christians. Or I could say it this way. It's good news for Christians. Because we're all weak, right? We're all weak. How often have we not prayed rightly or in accordance to God's will? And so we're all weak, right? Maybe some of us are newer Christians. Maybe some of us haven't been in the faith that long. And so we're struggling with, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. We have assurance in these verses that God intercedes for us by the Spirit. So maybe you're not a newer Christian. Maybe you're just wrestling with life, the struggles of life. And you say, Lord, I need wisdom. I need wisdom. I don't know what to do in this situation. We have assurance that God intercedes for us by the Spirit. Or maybe you're in the depths of your own sin. And you say, God could not possibly hear me. There's no way God could hear me. I've done too many wrong things. There's no way God could hear my prayer. And we have assurance this morning that for those that have faith in Christ, that the Spirit intercedes for us, that God hears us when we pray. And so like I said, this is good news. Why? Not only do we have Christ interceding for us, but we have the Spirit. Many of us are familiar with Christ's intercession. We sang it this morning. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. That Christ, the God-man, has taken on flesh. Our great high priest. And he has done what we could not, offering a perfect sacrifice. And is the better priest. What was wrong with all the priests in the Old Testament? First, they were sinners. So they had to offer sacrifices for their own sins. And they also died. (laughs) And Hebrews says that we have Christ, who is the great high priest, who will not die. Who ever lives to make intercession for us. So not only do believers have Christ interceding for us in heaven, but Christ also said, it's better that I go. Remember on the night he was betrayed, he said, it's better that I go. Why? So I can send the Spirit. So I can send the Helper. So not only do we have Christ interceding for us, but we saw this morning, we have the Spirit himself interceding for us with groanings that are too deep for words. That are too deep for words. That in our weakness... We can know that our prayers are heard by God and the Spirit intercedes for us according to God's will. And finally, this is the motivation for our prayer. This is the motivation for our prayer. Not, our motivation to pray is not so we can receive things from God. It's not even if I pray enough, God has to listen to me, right? It'd be so easy to look at this text and just think to ourselves, man, I need to pray more. I need to pray more. 
I need to pray more. It would be easy for me to tell you all, you need to pray more. And maybe you do need to pray more. But that would be short-lived. I could tell you to pray more, and by Tuesday, you'd be like, I don't, why should I pray? Yeah, Kindle told me to, but it doesn't matter. Or you could even think to yourself, Kindle said I need to pray more, and so in this legalistic way, we could just keep praying, and it would be heartless. It would be without any real affection for God. And so what is the motivation for our prayer? Why do we pray? It's because of what God has done. And hopefully we've seen that this morning. Not only what God has done in the gospel, but our prayers are heard. (laughs) They're interceded by the Spirit. And so we can know that our prayers are heard. And this is why we should pray. It's the chief part of our thankfulness. It's out of gratitude for what God has done. And so even though we are sinners, we don't deserve to be heard by God. Christ has made a way and he's poured out his Spirit so that we might be heard and that our prayers might be heard by God. And so we can see that this is a work of God. And so that for the believer, we can have assurance that God hears us. However imperfect our prayer, God hears us. And in the book of Revelation, we get this heavenly picture of this great work of God and the prayers of God's people. In Revelation Chapter 5, verses 6 through 10, we see this great picture of God's work, of God's work through Christ, the Spirit, and also the prayers of God's people. And it says this, And before the throne, I'm sorry, and between the throne and the living creatures and among the elders, John says this, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you, to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. There's a lot of strange imagery in here, right? What are the seven spirits? What are the 20, you know, what are all these things? The picture that we see here is that Christ has done, that the Lamb has been slain, that God has sent out His Spirit, and that the prayers of the saints are heard. Just like in the Old Testament, they burned incense, and there was this picture of the smoke rising to heaven. And so we see that even in Revelation that the prayers of the saints are heard, not because of their work, not because of what they've done, but because of the Lamb that was slain, because of the intercession of the Spirit. And so as we come this morning... To the Lord's Supper, we're reminded of the Lamb that was slain. The Lamb that was slain, that made a way. Christ Himself, who is our great high priest, who ever lives to make intercession for us, and who has poured out His Spirit to intercede for us and help us in our weakness. And we know that this is only possible because of Christ's work on the cross. And so, 
Like we said, not only is prayer a means of grace, not only is the word a means of grace, but the Lord's Supper is a means of grace. And so as we come to the table this morning, we don't just look back and remember what Christ has done, but we look forward. And even now we, rem- we proclaim Christ's death until he comes. And so we, this, we take this every week, right? We take this every week and we're reminded of what God has done in Christ. And so if you're not a believer, we ask that you abstain. If you haven't professed your faith in Christ publicly and been baptized, we ask that you abstain, right? Paul has harsh words for those that don't do that. But for those that have believed in Christ, this is good news. This is good news for weary sinners. And so as we come, we remember what God has done in Christ. We confess our sins, but we also rejoice knowing that blood has been spilled, but not our own, but the blood of the perfect Son of God. And so we'll form a line. We'll come forward this morning and we'll remember all that Christ done. And we're reminded on the night he was betrayed, Christ took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant poured out in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we see that these are visible pictures of what God has done through Christ on the cross. They're pictures of God's covenant promises that covenants are usually enacted and established in blood. And this new covenant Christ has spilled his own blood, not the blood of bulls and goats. And so we're reminded of that this morning. So I'll pray for us, and then we'll come forward. Heavenly Father, we are weak. We are weak in so many ways. Not only is our flesh weak, but if we're honest, even our spirit sometimes is weak. And we often don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray. And even though you've provided everything for us, you've given us shelter and food and these many blessings, not only these common grace blessings, but the redemptive blessings that you've given us in the person of Christ. And yet how often we fail to, out of gratitude, thank you for all that you've given us and pray in the right way according to your will. But we thank you that... You've sent your son to intercede for us, and we also have the spirit himself interceding for us. May we have hope and assurance this morning that you've made a way, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by the blood of your only son. And that he has poured out his spirit so that we might be made right, not by our working, but by the work of another. May we trust in Christ alone this morning. And may you take these common elements and set them aside that we might remember all that Christ has done and by faith partake of Christ and commune with you through faith. Help us to do that this morning. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Come.
Every week we, we take this together, right? We're reminded not only of our union with one another as we partake together, but our communion with God. And so as we take the bread, we're reminded of Christ's body being broken for us. So take, eat, remember, and believe that Christ died for the forgiveness of all your sins. And in the same way, we take the wine, this living drink, and we're reminded of Christ's living blood that was shed for us, the perfect Lamb of God, as John says, takes away the sin of the world. So remember and believe as you drink that Christ's blood was spilled to cover all of your sins. Each week we respond. So if you want to stand with me, we'll respond this morning by singing Psalm 23, which is in hymn 319, and we'll be singing it to the tune of Amazing Grace.
you can be seated. We come now to the time where we respond also in worship with our tithes and offerings that we're reminded of all that God's provided for us and out of gratitude, not to earn anything, but out of gratitude for what God's done. We give a part of what we've been given to the work of the gospel. So let's pray for our offerings this morning. Lord, we thank you for all that you've given us. We have not deserved any of it, and yet you've given it to us freely. May we respond now in an act of worship, in an act of worship for all that you've graciously given us. Would you take these humble offerings and would you use them for the work of your kingdom? In your name we pray. Amen. Please stand with me as we sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye. from Ephesians chapter 3. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace as you go this morning. And one quick announcement you'll see there. Um, so several of you have asked about membership in um, joining the church. And so we're going to have a couple membership classes on May 2nd and May 9th. So it'll be following the service directly. Lunch will be provided. And so um, we'll just discuss the values of the church and the theology of the church. And so for those that are interested about membership, or maybe you're like, I'm not ready for membership, uh, but I would like to learn more about what the church believes and things like that, um, you're more than welcome to come, ask questions, uh, and just coming doesn't make you a member, right, but it's to learn about us, so um, mark that on your calendar if you would like to attend, so um, grace and peace as you go.